Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, America. You've joined the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. This is our Friday News Roundup, and there's lots of stories on our agenda, so we will get to them after this message. Stay with us. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back. And I would like to remind everybody, you can find Victor at his website, victorhanson.com. It's called The Blade of Perseus. And please come join us either for a free subscription or $5 a month and $50 a year. We'll get you a subscription to the VDH Ultra material, which is copious. Well, Victor, we've got a lot on the agenda. So let's just go ahead and go to it. Uh, the first thing is the Polish president has said that the Ukraine is like a drowning person and he doesn't want to get caught being he doesn't want to get caught being drowned by the drowning man what did you have any thoughts on the polish perspective well i mean everybody's angry at him uh president duda i think his name is but he has some uh fides because he's what got two million ukrainians in his country that he's supporting that fled ukraine and let's be honest, about seven or eight million have crossed right through his country. And he's no friend of Russia. So he has given them, I think he's given them all of the MiG-22s he has. He's given them a lot of, I think he's given them over 100 artillery batteries. Poland has been the biggest friend of Ukraine. But what he's angry about is the EU suddenly says, basically, Ukraine is a de facto EU member because it can sell grain within the EU under the same conditions that EU members can. In other words, they can undercut Polish grain. So they're right next, you know, in the vicinity of Poland, and all they have to do is dump their Ukrainian grain at well below the prices that the Ukrainian farmers get. So he's saying, unlike our president, he says, my first duty is the security and the prosperity of my own people. And they get very angry. I mean, we were looking at, what, 8 million people have come across the border? Is yes. Joe Biden saying that? I worry about Americans first? No. 
So I, I admire him. The drowning man was a brutal metaphor, or simile, I should say, but it was true, isn't it? Yes. That this is a, it's a tragedy, but I mean, there, there are dimensions to this conflict that nobody, it's kind of like the, I think all the listeners are starting to see, it's kind of like the COVID vaccination or the lockdown or the mask or FBI informants on January 6th. You can't discuss it. If you discuss the utility or efficacy of masks, then you're pro-COVID. If you suggest that the mRNA vaccinations had not been tested enough, I'm speaking of somebody who got two, and especially the boosters have no really proven viability, then you're some kind of vaccination denier. If you say there were FBI informants all over January 6th and a Pulitzer Prize left-winning journalist, Mr. Rosenberg for the New York Times said that, then you're some kind of insurrectionist. Well, it's the same thing about Ukraine. If you say, what is the strategic plan of the United States? Is it to weaken the Russians? Is it to show China we're going to deter them? Is it without any consideration that we've got up to five or 600,000 dead and wounded, and we're going to get up to a million, two million, three million? Is it to take back all of the land that Vladimir Putin stole? I can see that since February of 2021. Or is it now a new agenda that unlike President Obama and President Trump and President Biden prior to that invasion, no one in the West or in the United States in particular said it's the strategy, it's the tactics, it's the grand strategy, it's the policy, whatever you want to say to force Russia to give up Crimea and the Donbass. We never said that. Is that the policy? Now, just tell us. That's all they have to do. Just tell us. And they always say we can't do, you know, we can do both. So we've only spent 100 billion plus in uh, Ukraine and we can close the border. So there's no connection. We're helping them defend their border, but we can't defend our border. That's crazy. We can do both. Well, they never do both. No, it's not just about money and resources. It's about desire, wishes and priorities. And they do not want to close this border because they don't give a damn about American citizens. They really don't. They have contempt for their own citizens. They like Ukrainians better than they do half the country. And they being the Biden left. Yeah, they don't think it's going to it's going to affect their reelection either. And I have a feeling I don't know. I'm I'm really glib tonight i think they might be right like th- that's an insane border you should the thing about the border is you should if you fire on, you should vote out anybody that's allowed that to happen but i just don't see it happening well now that we turn to the border discussion if you go on cnn or msnbc or network news they don't cover it. or if they do cover it, they don't show an aerial view or the train anything they get little human interest stories about a poor woman who's suffering and she's separated from her child and it's cruelty. That's what they get. Mm-hmm. They don't even let crazy Eric Adams, who used to greet them and say, well, we want more illegal aliens. Now he's saying they destroyed his city. They don't even talk to him anymore. Yeah, so it's, it's, I, the media, it's the media fusion with the left. But yeah. the reality is, what's the reality? Never in the history of the United States have we had so many foreign-born residents, whether 
calibrate it by actual numbers, almost 50 million now, or by percentages, getting close to 15%. And unlike the 1840s, 1890s, and 1920s, we don't integrate and assimilate as we used to. And we don't want to because we want a permanent tribal constituency that has claims on the federal government, which would require a bigger, more redistributive federal government, i.e. more empowerment to the left and enhance the racial agenda that the white majority, whatever you want to call it, the so-called white majority is historically racist and then hates people. And we need and it's it's the great replacement fear and they're paranoid because they're old and in the way all that crap. But the bottom line is they are destroying their own constituencies. They don't care anything about Hispanic, Mexican-American communities in the southern states along the border. They don't give a damn about them. They don't give a damn about African-Americans in Chicago, New York. And these are bicoastal wealthy elites, elites in the diversity industry and white liberal professionals who are never subject to the consequences of their own ideology. I just wish, I just wish that they would put their kids in a public school in the San Joaquin Valley or in El Paso, Texas. Just one week. I just wish that they would live in a border town, anywhere along the border, Arizona, Texas, anywhere, down by uh, Imperial Valley. Just live there. Just deal with it. I wish just once somebody who's lecturing all of us from Woodside or from Lafayette, just once that they had an M13 or a Serranos or a Norteños gang living in a house right near them as we do. We meaning my family and just, just, just for a day because this is, and we saw the answer to that. That was a rhetorical question because we saw it at Martha's Vineyard. You know what I mean? They got out yes. there, as I said, they got uh, all of their little gap clothes on, and then they they had a little town meeting, and then they got their outgrown Abercrombie and Finch costumes and their L.L. Bean shoes, and they brought them all in care packages, and they gave them some croissants and stuff, and they said, we love you people, but there's a bus waiting outside, you know? <laughs> That's what they said. That. To I know. It, it, right. You're right. And you know why they do this and they can keep doing this, although these droves are damaging the Hispanic communities, they're damaging the black communities, because those communities are still going to vote for them anyway. That's what you they think. That, That's yeah. what they think. And I have no I have no empathy if they do. That's yeah, the whole premise. They t what's so weird about this is that the people who stand up for those communities are people like Clarence Thomas and Tom Sowell, Shelby Steele. They say to those white, liberal, crazy people, don't tell me what I have to do. I'm not your servant. I'm a free thinking individual. And by the way, I'm a lot smarter and better educated than you are. And yet they revile them for that. And their own communities don't. They should be a statue of Tom Sowell in every major city you know, inner city, but no, they get, they, they still vote for the people who treat them like crap. And then you can't, you can't be empathetic with Eric yeah. Adams. 
Okay, who are you going to vote for in 2024? The guy that opened the border and flooded your town and said that you you said it ruined it and cost you $10 billion and crowded all the social services that the African-American, Puerto Rican, Latino communities use? Is that who you're going to vote for? Yes, that's who he's going to vote for. And it's not about, oh, well, it's Donald Trump. No, it's any Republican, any conservative they won't vote for. Yep. And that's why the left is doing that. And that dunce, I'm not getting into majorities, but Gavin Newsom is just pathetic when he goes down and prances around in his little costume along the San Diego and says, I'm worried about fentanyl and the homeless. These are just pre-campaign gimmicks to position himself that he's, you know, waiting in the wings oh. when Biden pulls out. But he's responsible as well. Yeah, he sure is. He really is. During COVID, when everybody was losing money, he gave $500 million to illegal aliens. And, you know, there's 8 eight million entries, and we've had the Fauci crowd talking about mandatory masks, where I think we're on our fourth booster. We're getting all of these lectures. The universities, some of the colleges are saying, you got to get a booster. And we've got 8 million foreign nationals that are coming into this country, and nobody's saying on the left. Oh, my God. These people on that train, the 4,000 of them, we got to go down there and vaccinate them. They have to wear a mask. Are they social distancing? Hmm. What's their carbon footprint? Are they using natural gas? Hmm. We can't have that. No, they just give them a complete exempt. That's what I mean when they treat their own citizens worse than they do for national. And we know why. Every time they do this, they brag in their little articles. They write books. This is the demography is destiny. The left is going to win because we've recalibrated the demography. The new democratic majority. I'm just quoting book titles. Then when somebody like Carl uh, Tucker says it, oh, he's a he's a fearful old white guy who feels the walls are closing in, so he's reaching out for straws like the Great Replacement Theory. No, the Great Great Replacement Theory was your theory. Only you had a different name, a euphemism for it. But we knew what it was. So you were interested in it. The La Raza apparat is interested in it. Those are the people in the media and the diversity industry. They want a constituency of you know people who need their advocacy for more government entitlement. Mexican government gets $60 billion. And by the way, a lot of that $60 billion comes at the subsidy of the U.S. taxpayer. Because he, a lot of those people who send back two, three hundred dollars a week, are being subsidized by the U.S. government in terms of legal health, education, food, housing, aid. Then we have the cartels are for it. They run the Mexican government. Nobody cares. They kill a hundred thousand Americans, or they make billions off human trafficking or fentanyl smuggling. Then you have the the meatpacking industry, the agricultural industry. The landscape industry, the hotel industry, the restaurant industry, and they say, you know what? Labor non-participation, 63%. We can't get people to work, so we want to hire people from Oaxaca. They work hard, and they do. And you you got that constituency. And there's no constituency for following the law. Mallorca should have been impeached. I'd say that very carefully because he took an oath to uphold the laws of the country as it pertain to Homeland Security. And when he keeps doing his Baghdad Bob routine at the 
border is secure. The border is secure. Of course, the border is secure. And you see all this stuff. And it's like, Bob, back, remember Bag, Bagdad? Excuse me. Cut that, uh, Robert. Remember Baghdad, Bob, what he used yes. to say? There's no, no Americans here. Yeah. We we vanquished every airplane out of the sky. We met the enemy. We slaughtered them. And but in the background, there would be F-16s flying all over. And there would be bombs falling all around him. <laughs> I had my, and then he became kind of a cult hero. Remember, people tried to have him come to America and make commercial. And that's what Mayorkas is. He's reduced to a caricature of a caricature. He really yeah. is. He should just be, they should just say, you know what? You violate your oath. We don't want to hear all your lies anymore. We're sick of it. Get. We're going to get rid of you just because we're tired of you. Be gone with you. It's a long time. You should be gone. And we'll get, you'll get your little factotum replacement. But for you, you're gone. And of course they can impeach him. And, and then I would like to see that because I, I would like to see the senator's that are on the Democratic side from uh, states and regions that are impacted by it and then have them vote to exonerate him. Yeah. Yeah, that would be very interesting. Well, speaking of the executive branch, we had recently Merrick Garland's testimony before the House Judiciary Committee, and they were asking him all sorts of questions about the raid of Trump's Mar-a-Lago Hunter's investigation, January 6th. And he had a lot of I don't recollects that he had to answer with that. I was wondering if you had any reflections on that um, that inquiry. He's traumatized. I mean, he was made a fool of. I admit that they, you know, Mitch McConnell just ran rings around him. They had, they just used the 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 Biden rule, wasn't it? Wasn't it Joe Biden who said you can't vote on a Supreme Court nominee of the opposite party in the last uh, year of a president's tenure, lame duck tenure? So they used it against the Democratic. Senate that had passed or the administration that had passed the law. So he just went around and begged every, please, please confirm me, confirm me. I'm, I'm not a liberal. I'm a moderate. And everybody knew he, what he was. So he, he's, you know, I used to, when I was farming full time, I used to get a lot of dogs from the, my great uncle had a pound. It wasn't his, it was a city pound. It was on his property. And he called me up and say, there's a dog here that somebody beat. And he's wandering around, and they put him in the cage. Come down here. So I got And I had this huge Great Dane named Reuben, and he had his skull almost crushed in by somebody. hit him over the head with a baseball bat. And I nursed him back to health, and he was the most wonderful dog. But when you come would come next to him, he would just roll over. He was so traumatized. That's Merrick Garland. He is so traumatized that he's just ineffectual. But... He's also a complete pathological dissembler because he said in that testimony, I'm getting tired of people attacking career FBI officers, that you're putting their lives in risk. And I'm thinking, so spoke the attorney general who refused to enforce the laws that prohibit protesters and violent, potentially violent people like a potential assassin that show up at the homes of Supreme Court justice. Oh, no, not all Supreme Court justices, just Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Thomas. So was he worried about a Supreme Court justice's safety? No, he could care less. 
And and as far as career FBI agents, uh, I'm not too worried about naming people who forge FISA documents. I'm not too worried about people who go on under oath like Andrew McCabe and lie four times to a federal investigator. I'm not too worried about James Comey. You can't remember anything 245 times under oath. I'm not supposed to criticize them because it's going to put their life in danger. Come on. He's, that's yeah, a, I know that's, when he said it, he was saying it as though he was trying to draw tears from the audience about this poor, threatened safety of families and <laughs> these agents. And I, I just thought, you know, you didn't have any sympathy. So I don't think I'm going to. I was sitting at the, much. I just got back from Dallas I, for a Hoover, but I was sitting at the airport and a guy came up and said, I have a bone to pick with you. I don't know who he is, just a stranger. He sits down. Yada, yada, yada. That happened. That's just the part of the game, right? If you go out and put your foot in the arena, you should expect death threats. You should expect it's not to condone it. But uh, I don't say to Merrick Garland, oh, when Joe Biden calls people semi-fascist and ultra MAGA and, and chumps and dregs, isn't he creating a climate of fear and lowering the bar? that people who support Donald Trump in 2016 and 20 are going to get death threats. Is that what I'm going to say? It's just pathetic. It really is. That guy is, I mean, just look at him and he, he, he just lies and he's scared to death. His eyes shift back and forth and he's, he knows what he did. Joe Biden did, you know what this idea, he never talked to Joe Biden about the independent council is independent of me and I'm independent of both Congress and no, you're not. Come on. Joe Biden was bragging or told a bunch of his people and T.S. Eliot murder and remember murder in the cathedral. When Henry says, will somebody not relieve me of this man, meaning Thomas or Beckett. And we all knew what that meant. And so Joe Biden said, well, won't somebody indict Donald Trump? Well, of course they were going to, Scurry back to Mark Merrick Gordon goes, Merrick, Merrick, Merrick. Joe's ranting and raving. He wants you to indict him. But I didn't talk to him. That's how it works. So as soon as yeah. Joe Biden was quoted as saying all that stuff, he indicted Trump or Jack Smith did. And he picked Jack Smith for the purposes of two reasons. His wife had worked for Obama, not worked for, but had been an acolyte, I think, a filmmaker, and that he'd gone after the Republican bright light in uh, Virginia, the governor, Mr. McDowell, everybody, uh, Donald, everybody thought McDonald might have a career to the White House. And they accused him of bribery and they railroaded him. Jack Smith did. And then, of course, they overturned it 9-0. Yeah. So that's why he was selected. And that's what he was hoping for the office. And at the same time, he should have been careful what he wished for, because you're right, he does look like that beaten dog. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and then come back and talk about Samuel Bankman Freed's parents now. (laughs) Stay with us. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. 
Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back. Um, so, Victor, apparently the company that Samuel Bankman freed, um, I don't, was he the owner or at least it whatever, was a, he was high up, but they're trying to sue the parents for millions that they took, Samuel Bankman Freed's parents. It's crazy. Well, the bank, that company doesn't exist anymore. It's in, he bankrupted. Remember, yeah. he and Carolyn uh, Ellison, his the girl with the big glasses who was supposed to be so brilliant, the Stanford student, everything. Have you noticed everything comes out of Stanford? <laughs> I just want to take a little hiatus here. We have Sam Bankman Freed, who grew up in the Stanford campus and who was there recently because I have an apartment about a mile away or half a mile. And I would hear the helicopter paparazzi. And then they put up bail so we could wander around his yard. And then he, of course, used that leniency to tamper with witnesses. So they put him in the can. I hope all of his liberal friends lost their bail money. I don't know if they did or not, but we Stanford gave us the attack on judge Duncan. It gave us the DEI czar of the law school who hijacked the talk and then gave a rant basically saying, praise be with you students who said to the judge, you know, I hope your daughter's raped. And then we had the euphemism list. We're not supposed to use American, patriot, immigrant, can't do that at Stanford. And we had the president who resigned under pressure for doctoring allegedly, but now apparently confirmed by his own admission because he had a retraction on his own volition of a scientific paper, which he fudged the truth. And we had, of course, the Theranos $8 billion Ponzi. Why do all these Ponzi schemes, Theranos and Bankman Freed, have a genesis at Stanford? And then we have the admission scandal where we were selling admissions. And then we had the boast on our website that we only admitted 20% white students. That was so wonderful, even though they make up 67%, 70% of the population. I could go on, but. So these two were these crusading law professor couple, right? And you could hear her, but they were really, and she was a bundler. She went over to Silicon Valley and said, look, give me 60, 70 million bucks and I will place it in the right hard left candidates. And I won't tell anybody where it came from. Dark money, which the left says they hate. But by the way, before I finish, I know everybody's going to say, well, Victor, how about Jerry Falwell Jr. and these guys on the right that are Christian evangelicals and then they're fornicating and all that. I, I understand that and I'm critical of them. But their counterparts are left wing, um, neo Marxist. Let's have equity and, you know, equality upon result, quality result, et cetera. And they're the greediest bastards in the world. So, what were his parents doing when this whole thing was imploding? His father was leveraging, leveraging his financial division of his Bitcoin. Um, I think it was called FTX. And he was 
he was leveraging it for what purpose? To get a million dollar salary. He said, well, I'm, I'm on a leave of absence. So I, I need, what, a million dollars to do what? And then his wife was leveraging them, and they bought Persian rugs. They got furniture. They bought a $20 million Caribbean house. It was like, let's drain this bankrupt company before it implodes. Our kid is a genius crook, and he swindled all this money. And he's got this huge Ponzi team based on this weird crypto stuff that we don't understand, but we know it's got a lot of money. Oh, you know what else we can do? Let's get some perf- let's get some brownie points from our employer Stanford. We'll give them four million. Can you imagine the Stanford development officer? So the Bankman Freeds call up and say, "Well, you may have heard that little Sammy's in trouble, and this FTX is sort of tottering, but we have access to it, and I think we can give Stanford four million dollars." Okay, we'll take it. And did they take the it and do they still yeah, have it? I think they did they take still, it. And they still have it. They I don't know. Oh, but none of the, yeah. I mean, did Maxine Waters give back her money? No. No. And so my my point is that what was the purpose of that? Because they love Stanford University? No. Because they want to give to higher education in general? No. Because they wanted to be get what? Quid pro quo special treatment from Stanford. So whether it was, you know, getting exempt from any criticism or take a class off or get us an extra sabbatical. After all, the Bankman Freeze gave us $4 million. It's so obvious. It was just, I don't know. It's, these people, uh, it's very funny. The old left, at least the old Berkeley commie that I saw at, in the 70s on campus, you know, there were some limit. Uh, limousine liberals, but there were a lot of old commies that lived like dogs. You know what I mean? Yeah. They had torn up cars and you'd see them kind of Bernie Sanders. He yeah. got the, he got the swindle blood bug late in life. He's got three houses. His wife helped bankrupt the university she left and she had a golden parachute. He doesn't live a very Marxist life, but until then, he didn't didn't he live in some hovel out in the forest or something? Yeah, and he never really had a job, did he? Or something? No, he didn't. The, but yeah. not these Marxists, not the Bankman Freed Marxists. They they preach one thing, and then they buy Persian rugs and get this huge mansion. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think it was four million. By the way, I think it was five and a half, closer mm-hmm. to six. And I think now, I, I don't know. I was. Looking at my Stanford email, I have a lot of friends that send me stuff. And I think one of them sent me something that Stanford was considering giving it back. But they haven't okay. yet. Yeah, they're going to consider until it but goes course, out of everybody's mind and then they won't have to give it back. <laughs> well, I have a question for Stanford University, my employer. If you want to return and let's say it is 5.5 million, the charitable contributions that Mr. Bankman Freed, the fraudster, gave you, why did you decide to do it now? Just asking, was it didn't have anything to do with this lawsuit against FTX that hit the Wall Street Journal and said that uh, the Bankman Freeds were draining the company and they were being sued. You, you didn't know any of that? 
You had no idea that this company was in trouble and these parents were involved with their son and you're their employers and they've been very vocal about it. But my point is, if it hadn't hit the media yesterday, would they have given it back? No. And then the next question is, did they know it was kind of coming under questionable auspices? Yes. And so... And so there you have it. Well, on to the next very strange and interesting person. There is a one, Sarah Ashton Surio. And (laughs) let me see if I get this right, because her job description is quite large. She apparently is a soldier and medic for the Ukrainian army in the Ukraine war. She is also a Russian disinformation analysis. And she is the, or was, she got fired, I think yesterday or today, the Ukrainian, the Ukraine PR person for the United States. That's one thing. But she went on to a video and said that uh, she um, advocated hunting down um, anybody and and dealing with, I guess, anybody who was a Russian propagandist. And so J.D. Vance, our senator, you know, called her on this. And um, and and she said that he was a um, doing this because he was trying to cause gender chaos. So that is a very complicated little case, uh, Victor Davis Hanson. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on this woman, trans woman. Well, this is what I don't understand. There's at least three U.S. statutes that say that if you're a U.S. citizen, you cannot go to a foreign country and join their war effort against another country of which the United States is not at war at. Okay. And you cannot help organize militia groups or activist groups to help a foreign country who is fighting a country we're not at war at. Whether you like it or not, we're not at war with Russia. So why do these people get this pass when they do what she's did? She's an employee of the Ukrainian government. She's basically a megaphone propagandist as an American citizen working for Ukraine. And, you know, Ukraine, last I looked, was a traditionalist, orthodox country. So why would Ukraine, let me put it this way for our listeners. Do we all believe that Ukraine has such a dearth of journalistic and public relations talent that they have to hire an American LGBTQ reporter to come and be one of their Ministry of Defense information Specialists? Is that what I'm They have nobody can do. So why was she picked? And the answer is she fit the perfect Biden PC progressive profile in the Ukrainian mind, i.e. let's hire an American. Let's hire somebody who you remember we saw those pride flags at the embassy in Afghanistan as it fell. We remember that gender studies program, you guys. We're going to get the perfect person. And she's really raunchy, and she's hardcore, and she wants us to go to hunt down Russians in our midst. She's got the perfect left-wing McCarthyite attitude. And they hired her. And the rest is history. But it brings up a larger question. 
And I'm speaking to someone that really supports Ukraine to defend itself. But at some point, let's just stop all the romance and just be very careful. Ukraine is interfering in U.S. politics at the highest level. It is very likely, according to the Burisma executive, that Burisma that had close ties with the Ukrainian government gave several million dollars to Hunter and by association Joe Biden. Hunter Biden was on the payroll of Burisma and by extension, the Ukrainian government. The Ukrainian ambassador during the first Trump election of 2016 was writing, writing op-eds against an American political candidate. There were Ukrainians involved in the Hillary Clinton campaign, which is illegal. You can Christopher Steele broke the laws of foreign national participating as a hired campaign flack for Hillary Clinton. Lieutenant Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel, Congressman Nunes, remember, Lieutenant Colonel Venman was offered the Ministry of Defense at the very of Ukraine, he says three times at the very moment he was engineering the impeachment of the president of the United States by breaking the law and leaking classified phone calls to his friend Eric Saramella to work with Adam Schiff to what? Indict a president, impeach a president, prosecute a president because he had temporarily delayed delayed aid to Ukraine on the suspicion that Joe Biden was right in 2018 when he fired Viktor Shokin for looking into Burisma, basically. And my point is, and now Michael uh, and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Benman is doing what? He's got some company called Trident that is facilitating the transfer of American military equipment to Ukraine. And I guess that's a fancy word for being a middleman arms dealer. So why do we have all of these Ukrainians that are interfering in our own government processes? They're not supposed to do that. And Americans are not supposed to, under law, go over and actively fight for a foreign country of which they're not a citizen. I, I don't understand it. It's it's really weird because Ukraine has somehow for the left wing mind has embodied everything that they failed at. It's if only the Russian disinformation had been true about the laptop. If only we had convicted Donald Trump on the first phone call impeachment. If only we had got him as a private citizen when we tried him after January 6th. If only the Russian collusion and the Mueller investigation were true. But they weren't. But now we've got a second chance because we're just so angry about all this. We're going to put all that anger and we're going to make a litmus test. And if you're not 100 percent on to Moscow with Ukraine and you're worried about uh, offensive operations, preemptive operations on the part of Ukraine, justified militarily and humanely, no doubt about it. But they are entering a period when they are going to provoke a nuclear power. Uh, in Eastern Europe, and I'm not sure that uh, anybody in the United States takes those threats of the of the Russians seriously, but they are serious. And mm -hmm. if if we give them 
We've, and again, we've mentioned this before, every single time we say, if only, if only that had high Mars, they got them. If only they had Patriots, they got them. If only they had F-16s, they're going to get them. If only they had Abram, they got them. If only they had Bradley, they got them. If only they had offensive weapons like Jab, they got them. And each time it's not sufficient. And so uh, yeah. that's what we're, we're just going down this road. And, and we, we're, there's no stra- Nobody says to anybody, I want to know what the strategy of the United States is. I want to know what it is, as we discussed. Is it to get back Crimea? Is it to get back the Donbass? At what cost? Is the human carnage a factor? We're getting five, 600,000, maybe more casualties. Do we just want to kill as many Russians, young Russian recruits as we can? Is that the idea? So that they don't go into Poland? Poland seems to be more worried about what Ukraine's doing to it than what the Russians are threatening it. So it's just... It's all caught up in politics, and you've got these Ukrainians that are freelancing politically, and you have this osmosis back and forth, and it, it's really scary. Yeah, so it sure is. He, well, I have a question because Zelensky, we're, we're recording on Wednesday. He'll be here tomorrow. I mean, he's supposed to speak before Congress, I believe, on Thursday, and this will be published on Friday, so it will be after he speaks. But they... Obviously, he's coming, and I'll let you guess at what he's going to be talking about, but he's just fired um, six of his top, um, uh, I guess, generals of the lead in his military, and and they're suggesting he did that so that we would think he's getting rid of corruption in his ranks. But wait, hold on a second. So even if he was, though... We've already spent what did you say over a hundred billion in the Ukraine to a, c- people who are corrupt and nobody's said anything about it so far. Probably more. I mean, they, the way they okay. do the bookkeeping is very mysterious because if you count up all the individual, you know, bills of aid, and then you look at the overhead, and then you look at the uh, other costs that aren't directly munitions transfers like training that are built into the defense budget and not specific specified as Ukrainian aid. It's over a hundred billion, but yeah. Yes. And I mean, what do you think he's going to do tomorrow? I mean, obviously probably try to ask in some way for more money than we're. Yes, he is. He's getting, he's already going to get it. He's going to get more. This Sarah Ashton Cirillo or whatever her name is. She's a Sergeant. I think she's a Sergeant in the Ukrainian army. She's a U.S. citizen. She is fighting and a foreign army against a country we are not formally at war. That is a felony. And I know they don't enforce it, but that. And then why would they make this person who's totally erratic? Why would they make her the spokesperson in the Ministry of Defense? I don't understand it. Her only experience is that she's been an LGBTQT or whatever reporter, right? Yes. And so you can see what they're doing. They've looked and sized up the United States and say they are woke to the nth. And we're going to get the biggest woke type of reporter. And we're going to brag that she's the first LGBTQ war correspondent in the Ukraine war and the first Ministry of Defense spokesman that is LGBTQ. And that's going to really help us get defense dollars from this. And they're right. It will. 
It will. And they're going to say that, you know what, this is a war against some crazy orthodox Russian nut that hates LGBTQ. And we see you turn on, you know, John Wick or you turn on the Equalizer or you turn on any uh, popular action movie in Hollywood and all the what the enemies, the creepy people, they're covered with orthodox crosses. They have Russian accents. They're in the Russian mafia. They're brutal. They're stupid. They're cruel. That's that's what he's that that's that plays into that whole stereotype. Yeah. All I'm saying is I'm not supporting this crooked, awful Putin. I'm just suggesting that the Russian people are not our existential enemies. This isn't the Cold War where they're diehard communists and everything, and they've gobbled up all of Eastern Europe. They're a bankrupt, corrupt, shrinking country, and they're ruled by a kleptomaniac nut who's cruel and has to be deterred. But this idea that we arm this country and they are destroying now ships on the high seas of the Black Sea, they're going after preemptive targets, they're attacking the Russian submarines and dry dock. They're attacking the Kremlin uh, with drones. Okay, I get that. But let's keep some perspective. This is a theater war in Eastern Europe between Russia and Ukraine, which for hundreds of years was part of Russia, and whose Western third until 1939 was part of Poland until Polish-speaking Roman Catholics were ethnically cleansed out of Ukraine under the Potsdam Accords, and Poland got the territory it lost on the West, in the East, to make modern-day Poland. In other words, they said, Stalin said, I'm stealing what I stole for good. I'm stealing now for good what I stole in 1939 with Hitler. And I'm getting all the Poles and Catholics out. And you Poles, if you want a country, you steal it from Hitler's Germany and get rid of 13 or 14 million. And that's how Poland was created. But the point is that these boundaries have a lot of historical baggage in them. And so when people say there's no way that Ukraine has any, that Russia has any claim to Crimea, no, it's a disputed claim. There's Russian majority speakers. There was Russian until the end of the Cold War, since what, 1783? They stole it from the tar. And that's the reality. And, yeah. you know, we're arming Ukraine to the teeth. I, I support some of that, a lot of it. and But I don't support them putting it at NATO. If they were in NATO right now, we'd have a nuclear war. Everybody said, well, it would deter. No, it wouldn't. It would not deter Russia. If you think that people in Holland and Italy are going to rush over and get in the trenches of Ukraine to fight the Russians because it's a NATO member, you're sadly mistaken. It'll be the United States and the British, and that's about it, that will actually yeah. do the fighting. And they and the last thing we want to do is fight a conventional war involving nuclear escalation right in on the homeland of Russia. The Swedes tried it. The French tried it. The Germans tried it. It doesn't work. And it's just lunacy not to discuss these things and then to be censoring people and call them all sorts of names. Yeah. Just be, you know. 
for the discussion itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it's what definitely we do. not a free and open society. No, it is done that it isn't. way. Yeah. It isn't, and it's. And I've had these discussions with colleagues, and they end up in shouting matches, and not on my part. But if you just say, "Let's be very careful," let's give them the weapons to protect themselves. And then let's get some type of negotiations that can get Putin back to where he was. And there has to be concessions on both sides, but get him back to where he was and be happy that he failed. And he took a big hit to his military. It was humiliated. It was deterred. He's back where he was prior to this. And then let's discuss discuss what Barack Obama allowed to happen and would never discuss the return or the future or the status of the Donbass and Crimea, which Donald Trump never said. There were no, Lindsey Graham never said, Donald Trump, it's the policy of the United States to get the Crimea back right now. He never said that. And before Putin went in, nobody in the Democratic Party said, Joe Biden, one of the things I voted for you was because you were so strong about taking back by force the Donbass and the Crimea. That was an agenda that came up as a result of this war. I understand it's logical to do that. Let's make no mistake about it. It's a very dangerous agenda to say to the Russians, we're going to fight to the death to get back the Crimea from you. And it was always ours and you stole it. No, it was not always yours. It was contested for centuries. And and that's something in that part of the world that we most Americans are totally ignorant about. They don't know anything about the status of the borderlands or the history of Crimea or the, the process between 1939 and 1945 and the vast exchanges of thousands of square miles of territory vis-a-vis Germany, Poland, and what was then the Soviet Union and i.e. Ukrainian part of the Soviet Union. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take another break and then come back and talk about Pennsylvania. Um, A lot of things going on in Pennsylvania. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome back. Um, I'd like to remind everybody we are produced by John Solomon's Just the News, and John Solomon is an investigative reporter, and he does excellent work. He's been doing a lot of work on the Hunter Biden crimes, (laughs) to put it um, easily. And um, you can find him and his news at Just the News. And it's a really great website for all the current stuff and investigative reporting on our federal government in particular. So, Victor, Pennsylvania has a lot going on. Um, One of them is that they're going they're trying to pass legislation to automatically register voters when they get their driver's license. But the caveat is that the dry that illegal aliens can get driver's license there. So that's um, 
an odd thing. And then Fetterman has come back into the news recently, a lot about his slovenly dress and his. Don't um, be so judgmental. (laughs) What you see as slovenly might be chic to people that support Fetterman. (laughs) Well, okay. I don't think anybody could consider it anything, but you might find slovenly things chic, but they're still slovenly. Um, Anyways, he's he's come back in the news and he still can't really articulate things. His brain obviously is having some hiatuses after his um, illness. So I was wondering either of those stories. The first one, I, I think the reason I wanted to ask you about it is because it sounds to me like Democrats are getting ready to uh, do everything they can to get all the votes that they Absolutely. can. And I was wondering if the you know, do you think they're the Republicans up. are going to be able to meet that at all? No, they're not. They're not. They're always they talk big, but they'd rather whine about 2020, how they were cheated so that they can say in 2025 how they were cheated in 2024. Uh. They should have mass armies right now ready to go to the polls, to mail in, to ballot cure, to ballot harvest to sign up. But what the Democrats are doing is they're looking at all of the blue states where they have automatic registration and they send ballots out to everybody. And then they lie and say, there's no way you can have voter fraud. And even though we know there is, and they're saying this is really important because it got us huge amounts of congressional seats, Senate seats, but it doesn't matter for the presidency because we were going to vote that way anyway. So Hillary won, you know, the popular vote, but she only won it because she, you know, she piled up a huge margin in California, but she didn't need the huge margin to get their electoral votes. So now they're getting smart and they're doing what they should have been doing crooked as they are. They're going into swing states and they're trying to Californianize them and make their voting laws like ours where you have automatic ballots sent out, you have 10 days or so to mail to have the ballot arrive after the election's over, and incomplete names, call up a guy who voted with the wrong address and say, hey, you forgot to put your zip code, come in, that kind of stuff. Get out the ballot, third party come into your house to hand deliver your ballot that he tells you who to vote, that kind of stuff. And Mark Zuckerberg, trust me, will be geared up to give another $419 million, even though he said he wouldn't. Google's already got got an idea. There was just a recent story that it was billions of dollars of free campaign aid they gave to the left. Because, as I said, we've we've talked about this. Take any conventional topic in the news, any everyday topic that has just an iota of political import. And they will rig the the algorithm will rig the, the order of the searches. So the conservative stories are way at the bottom and the left wing propaganda ones are at the top. And ditto that with Google News, Yahoo News, Apple News. And just I, I know I'm beating that dead horse. I know people don't like that metaphor, but Molly Ball's time essay was the most confessional triumphalist braggadocio I've ever read. It just laid out what they did. We moderated the protests, turned them on and off. We got the CEOs to attack Trump from the right. 
we got the social media to censor misinformation and disinformation. We got changes in the ballot law. Ha, ha, ha. That's what, that was what the article was about. And they're going to do it again. They have two ways of winning elections, and that is using their institutional monopolies to change public opinion and altering the process by which we vote so that we go to a 70% non-election day voting in most states. And you can add a third long range that they change the demography. Yes, I said that. I'm using the democratic words, though, not the great replacement theory. I'm using your own words when I say the demography is destiny or the new democratic majority strategy. And you put that all together, and it's kind of a confession that we can't make the appeal to the existing electorate the way it traditionally has voted. We just don't have the issues. They do not want to charge people with crimes and put them in jail. The Oakland or the Chicago prosecutors, they believe that the victimizer is the victim and the victim had it coming. And therefore the victim has no right because he suffered or was killed or raped Yet they, she, whatever, they have no right to put the victimizer in jail. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants $8 million crossing the border. Nobody wants $6 of gas when we have all this oil and gas to be pumped. Nobody wants that. So what do you do? You have to change the process. There are process people. The Republicans are reactive. They play within the, the sidelines. They play within the parameters. They don't talk about, oh, let's get rid of the filibuster. Let's get rid of the electoral college. Let's in, let in two states. Let's pack the court. Let's swarm the justices' homes. And the Democrats do, and nobody understands that. Yeah. Well, Victor, we're almost to the end, but I thought maybe I'd ask you one last question on your your state, California. It seems that your your governor, if I can separate myself from that governor. But anyways, your governor is filing a lawsuit against big oil for 50 years of deception, cover-up, and damage <laughs> caused by fossil fueled extreme weather. And I was yeah. wondering what your thoughts were on it. That, that will never win. It can't possibly. He's just so, wasting state resources. So a governor who allows... PG&E, this ossified, inefficient, bankrupt power company that has century-old power lines that, with a slight wind, cause massive forest fires, and a bankrupt Cal Fire bureaucracy who, under Newsom's leadership, thought that you should not ever clean out the forest of dead trees, limbs, etc., as we had in the past or scientifically and carefully harvest timber to prevent something like the Aspen or Paradise fires, or this president who's now blowing up four dams on the Klamath River and using the $250 million as the explosive tab coming out of a water bond intended to build, not destroy dams, he created this desert and now he's blaming it on climate change caused by the oil companies. And why is he doing it right now? He's doing it for two reasons. Just like he put on his gap clothes and went down to the border and get, had his little megaphone shouting about fentanyl for the first time in his life. He could give a damn about somebody in Tulare 
or Bakersfield who ODs on fentanyl. Trust me. He he's just giving it and he's talking about the homeless because too many of his left wing friends said, Gavin, Gavin, I had to go downtown for a change and I got human crap on my shoes. I don't like that. Or Gavin, I went out of my Pacific Heights home and there was a guy vomiting on my sidewalk. Come on, Gavin. You know, up your game. Is it climate change that caused the homeless? Something like that. So mm-hmm. my point is he's doing all of this performance art stuff for two reasons. One, he's going to run for president. That's just obvious. And two, the price of gasoline as it hits $100 a barrel because we're not pumping and fracking at a rate was that was necessary to keep up with the demand. Not when you cancel the Anwar Reserve, not when you cancel new federal leases, not when you uh, what you you hector frackers and horizontal drillers and scream and yell at them and say you're dead or you tell the oil industry you better transition over to green power. Not when you have to drain the strategic petroleum reserve before an election. Not when you have to beg the Saudis, the Venezuelans, even the Russians and the Iranians, please, please pump this awful, stinky oil that we have in abundance and won't. Not when you're Gavin Newsom and you're sitting on the Monterey Shale Basin and you've got a lot of oil down in the Elk Hills Reserve that hasn't been tapped and you've got hordes, gads of natural gas. And what are you doing? Are you developing that to help the people who are poor, which are 22% 22% of your state's living before, below the poverty line, the per capita income on the tri-county area of Hanford, Fresno, uh, Kings County, Tulare County, and Fresno County is lower than it is in Appalachia. And what are you doing? You're talking about suing the oil companies because you've driven the price with the highest gas taxes in the United States, the highest gas formula requirements. And you won't drill or export. And you've made people very angry because uh, they're paying a five fifty a gallon. It's going to go up to six. Diesel will go up to six over six. And you've yeah. done that. And you want to blame the oil companies. And then you're mm-hmm. going to run. And you know what? Your campaign slogan will be, hey, America, I want to do for you what I did for California. And we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we will. We, He's a very I, effective. Everybody's listening. I've listened to this creepy guy as mayor, as lieutenant governor, as governor for years. He's a very effective 20 minute smug glib debater. You saw him on Sean Hannity's interview. Yeah. But after 21 minutes, that's he's exhausted of an idea that he memorized or can line. And he's just a, a dunce. Mm, just, he's, he's just, just a just, creature, a creature <laughs> of that San Francisco aristocracy that takes care of its own and its own mediocrities if they're well connected, like he was. Yeah, he's never gone out on his own and done anything. He's always been shepherded or sherpered around by the Getty family, mm. and he rubs noses with Diane Feinstein and Barbara Boxer and Di- uh, Nancy Pelosi, Willie Brown, Kamala Harris. The whole San Francisco, Jerry Brown, the whole San Francisco, Silicon Valley nexus. And he thinks that because he looks like a president and he talks for 20 minutes like a president, that when Joe Biden hits the asphalt, and he will, it's 50-50 if he finishes his term, but he will not be running 
for office. I don't know how they're going to arrange it yet, whether they wait to the convention or they can appoint someone like Michelle or they have an open primary. And then they say, well, Kamala, you got you got one delegate. That's much better than you did last time, but we're, you can't win. So we're sorry. So Gavin won the, the primary. And then, Gavin, you've got to pardon Hunter because that was the price we we paid Hunter and Joe when they leave office because they may be indicted now that there's no control of the of the uh, DOJ as we see yeah. now with Merrick Garland. I think that's what we're looking at. Yeah, that is what we're looking at. Well, Victor, this is the end of the show, and I wanted to – I had some advice from one of your readers for yes. you. Um, he And also a nice thing first. He said, can you please – um, when you see Dr. Hansen, let him know that he is the only media source I trust, and I actively repost all his podcasts whenever possible. Also, I suggest he try consuming a quarter piece of nicotine gum daily, really? as it will help with long-term COVID-19, as suggested by Dr. Bob Heron to a friend whom he diagnosed with long-term COVID so the and he has a an link. antiviral. Yeah. Or something like that. So I'm worried that I have, I'm taking too many supplements, but whatever they are, quercetin, low dose naltrexin prescription, um, you know, NAC, uh, niogen, B complex, probiotics, neprin, neprinol, antifibrin stuff. Whatever it was, it made a dramatic difference because yeah. two months ago I was just exhausted and I had all kinds of hearing and taste, smell, sight, mm. and that's all starting to fade away. I think yeah. it was the supplements. Well, Victor, I love all of your um, listeners, the ones here who find you the only media to listen to. Yeah, I shouldn't be the those only Those that are, I know, but uh, they those that are working or doing laundry or running, they're all very active. I hope some just sit and listen to you like a fireside chat. Well, I had a really good time just to finish. I had to go uh, for a Hoover event to Dallas. And so I spoke to two groups and another one I went to dinner with in, in Dallas. And uh, the very the most wonderful people in the world really are very yeah. bright, uh, very worried about the country. Uh, I was making a joke to some that they've moved the, the southern border to the border of Oklahoma. That's the new U.S. border. As Biden said, he didn't want any more busing, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that that's true. But. Uh, Texas is pretty amazing. It really is. And yeah. it's being fueled. And a lot of people pointed this out. I met a lot of Californians. This idea that Californians are going to ruin everything they come to. That may be true of Austin, maybe, or they gravitate, I don't know, to places like Boulder, Colorado, or Aspen. But the vast majority of the 10 million or so that have left California in the last 30 years, unfortunately for us, were our best and brightest. And the people who ran the state. So when people talk about California's failed infrastructure, failed school, high crime rate, high taxes, high gas taxes, high sales taxes, high income taxes, $40 billion deficit. What they're really talking about 
is we lost the whole entrepreneurial managerial classes that ran PG&E, that ran Southern California Edison, that ran the administrative state, that ran the banks, that ran everything. And they're gone. And the people who replaced them were not up to the task. And and the people who were the beneficiaries, is my point, are Texas, Tennessee, Florida, Idaho, Nevada, really were. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we had them all back because... uh, Mm -hmm. I just, I have this bad habit. I think, I, what happened to that person? I haven't seen him lately. Where, where is she now? Oh, I forgot. She went to Boise. She went to Knoxville. She went to Orlando. He went to, you know, Nevada City, that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. it's really depressing. Yeah, it is a bit. Well, you never know. There can be a revival sometime. We'll see. It'll have to come. It's not going to come from, it's going to have to come from the second and third generation Mexican-American population. Yeah, and they're going to have sure to say is. that they're going to have to realize that this bi-coastal elite hates their guts. And they're only, they're only uh, representing them to the degree they, they give them absolute fealty for these agendas that are antithetical to their own values. They're, they're not in favor of a third gender and men swimming in women's sports. They're not in favor of partial birth abortion. They're not in favor of $6 a gallon gas. They're not in favor of a guy, you know, stabbing somebody and then being let out that day with no bail. They're not in favor of any of that. And yet their leaders that they vote for are. And because, and they, the leaders are for that because they never subject are subject to the consequences of their policies, not where they live, not with the people they have at their disposal to protect them. Yeah. And and the money they have with them. So that's the only thing that can save the state. Yeah. Okay. Well, Victor, that's the end of the show. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hanson, and we're signing off.